Alright, in this episode we have 2018 Pisgah Stage Race winner, U.S. Cyclocross team member and senior coach at the Carmichael Training Center. Welcome to the hot seat, Tristan Cowie. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So where are you at right now? I'm down in Brevard. Um, we uh, CTS, Carmichael Training Systems, uh, has a couple of locations nationwide. Uh, there's one in Brevard, well, which used to be in Asheville, moved down to Brevard about uh, eight years ago, seven years ago or so. Um, one in Colorado Springs is the headquarters, and then uh, one in Tucson, and then one in Santa Inez, California, L.A. Okay. So. All right, well, we'll get into that here in a little bit, but first let's start off. What is something that most people don't know about you? <laughs> I, well, I don't own any sleeveless shirts. Um, <laughs> you don't own any sleeveless shirts. No, yeah. Now, I, what's I, up with all that? My, <laughs> all my shirts have sleeves on them. So, um, no, but but really, I I I don't think that a lot of people. I love uh, cooking and uh, barbecuing, and I love car racing. So you know, it's kind of a weird coming from a cycling background and endurance sport. It's uh, those are all you know not often uh, combined. What kind of car racing? All types, um, mostly Formula One. Uh, I'm trying to get into a little bit of IndyCar, doing a little bit of the Endurance uh, World Endurance Championship, the WEC series. Um, I like all sorts of motorsports. I watch motor motorcycles, um, any of that stuff. I like going fast. So, you ever uh, seen any Ultra Four racing, like King of the Hammers, or any of that kind of stuff? A little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not super familiar with that. I went and did some filming projects on, on a few of those events. It's something to check out, dude. These cars can go through anything, man. <laughs> they, you, you could put one of these cars right in the Davidson River, and it would climb right to the top of the mountain. Like, oh, no that's joke. sweet. <laughs> that's cool. All right, before we get too off the rails, let's start from the beginning. You know, before you were a trainer and before you were on the U.S. team and all this stuff, where are you from and, and what were you like as a kid? Well, I grew up in North Georgia originally, um, and that was kind of, you know, we, we rode bikes, but it wasn't uh, as well known as, you know, kind of as, as it is now. I mean, North Georgia is kind of, you know, becoming a, a more and more cycling destination, kind of like Brevard in, in Western North Carolina is. Um, but yeah, uh, <clears throat> we had we had a good amount of kind of forested land, and, um, you know, I was I grew up outside, like running around outside, playing outside. Um, did a little bit of soccer, a little bit of running, um, but uh, you know, it's kind of always kind of had bikes around. Um, but uh, it was it wasn't until kind of trying to remember what year I was nine years old or so and did my first race. So what was that on a BMX or what was that? It was a mountain bike. So so actually we so you know again we, we kind of grew up riding mountain bikes around around the house and uh, you know going to trails. Um, where we could find them, you know, that was kind of before the day of, of uh, you know, the internet or, um, well, I guess the internet was in its infancy. I'm not that old. Um, but, uh, you know, it just, it was tough finding stuff. Um, so we were just kind of, you know, exploring a little bit and, uh, we, there was a local nature center that did summer camps and my sister, she was big into bikes as well. And she did the, I was too young to do the mountain bike camp there, but she did it. And, uh, they were, you know, the instructors were like, Oh, you know, you guys should try out this race later on this fall in, uh, in Gainesville. And, and we went over there and we did it and hooked ever since. So nice. 
And so did you have a mentor during this time or did you just, how did you get introduced to it? Yeah. So, I mean, basically like kind of throughout different stages of my career, I had different kind of mentors, you know, in, in different areas because Growing up, it was kind of, you know, my dad was really into it, into riding. So he kind of got, you know, myself and my sister into riding. And then it was kind of, you know, we had our bubble of, of the, the summer camp. We met some some folks that worked for Sorba, um, Georgia. And um, they kind of introduced us to some more people. And then, I, you know, we started racing more. And I got introduced to um, uh, Andy Johnson, who runs a, a development team or, or used to run a development team in Georgia. And then he was kind of like, okay, well, you know, there's all these other races kind of regionally and nationally. And then, um, yeah, so did that circuit, looked at going to colleges, um, found Thad Walker who, uh, ran the cycling team at Brevard college. And then, you know, kind of my, my current, um, I'd say mentor slash, um, friend would be Wes Dixon at, at Sycamore. And he kind of, you know, helped, um, go, you know, throughout my career has kind of been growing from, you know, development into, you know, collegiate racing into professional racing and, and, you know, from then, then on. I've noticed in these interviews that a lot of athletes have had someone who, uh, you know, really motivated them or just helped them take it to the next level. And it sounds like you've had two or three of those type of people in your life. Yeah, I'd say, you know, I was, I was trying to think of, you know, if I could place my finger on one and not to, not to say that that's not the case because it's just, it's interesting it was almost different stages and, and different levels that I was going through. And it was kind of, you know, each level I just found out more and found it, you know, like, okay, whoa, there's another, like there's a state series. And then I could, Oh, I can race in the Southeast. And then it's like, Whoa, there's a national series. And then, so it's kind of always been building and you find more people. And, and, um, yeah. And then when did you make the transition into coaching? How'd that happen? That was, so I went to, went to Rivard College, um, and I was an exercise science major, and I kind of had the idea of going into physical therapy and into, into PT stuff. And um, my last semester of school, you know, I had to do an internship, so I was kind of like, you know, like, I don't know what to do, I can't find a place, all the other, you know, cool PT places that were already full. And my, my counselor was like, you know, she, she knew I was a big cyclist, and she's like, well, you know, there's CTS in Asheville, like, why don't you talk to them? Why don't you do some coaching? And I was like, oh, duh, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> um, so I, I drove up there and I, I knew Colin Izzard who ran the office um, previously just from racing and, and he ran a, a, a regional team um, that I, I tried out for. And it was like, hey, you know, I really want to get into coaching. I did my internship. Um, and that was about, uh, trying to remember how many, it was a semester or so. And then uh, worked at the bike shop that summer, and then got hired that fall after graduating. How's that experience been coaching? It's awesome. Yeah, um, it's uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I love helping people. I love talking to people. I love you know, kind of helping them figure out you know if it's the the best place to eat in Nashville or you know how to get ten percent on their you know power test or something like that. I, I enjoy it. So um, yeah, it's it's awesome. It's most of what I do is kind of. Um, individual coaching so not necessarily face to face but you know over over the internet over the phone um i would say maybe five percent of my athletes are kind of local so uh, let's say within two to three hours um and the, and the rest of them could be 
um, you know, Midwest. I've coached people in um, Japan, Australia, Switzerland, all that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's awesome. Is this all cross country mountain bike coaching? Are you coaching road cycling, cyclocross, and all that, or how, what? What exactly are you coaching through this program? Any and all. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so um, my background is obviously mountain biking. Um, I call myself a mountain biker. Recently, I got into uh, cyclocross. For those that don't know, it's um, it's kind of like a combination of cross country running, mountain biking, and road cycling. So you do it on a road bike. You do it on mixed surfaces. So trails, dirt, grass, pavement, whatever, um, anything that you can find at like a, a local park. Uh, and then there's certain segments of that course where it's, you know, steps or barriers to, you know, that you have to get off and run over. So it's, it's kind of bringing a little of that cross training weight bearing activity in there. So that's my background. Um, but I, I coach any and all cyclists, um, <clears throat> I've coached, uh, a little bit of triathletes and, and runners, um, I do have a little bit of running background, but it's, it's, um, yeah, any, let's see, O-Ram, um, Leadville, I've coached athletes for Leadville, um, done a couple of Ironmans, um, a bunch of road racing. So yeah, uh, any sort of endurance sport. Is that typically how it works for you? Someone will have a, you know, they'll sign up for a race or have a big goal in six months and then they reach out to you guys and you customize something for them or how does it work yeah that's, that's pretty close um i'd say 80 percent of the time someone comes to us with a goal and it's like hey you know i have this event or um i have a series of events that i want to get ready for and you kind of look at the events and what the event demands are so you know how long is it how many climbs what the climbs are like what is it going to take for this person to get through the day um and then some people just come in and like hey i just i want to get fitter and you know and and our typical clientele is kind of like that 40 to 60 years old, empty nesters. Maybe they rode back in college or back when they were young and they've kind of refound the sport. They're like, yeah, I want to get back in shape and, and you know, get healthy again. And, and that's, you know, great too. We'll kind of outline a, you know, kind of fitness goals for them and uh, work with them to, to, you know, progress and, and lose weight and, and get to back to feeling uh, fitter. What, what's, what's your most commonly given advice what do you see the most that you feel like you can help people with i would say for for coaching i would say you know so again like the the typical athlete we have is kind of that um you know they, they, they're still working a job they're, they're time crunched so to speak they don't have unlimited time to train or ride um so it's it's really just you know rest eat eat well Ride your bike a lot and make sure you're resting and uh, make sure that, that, you know, travel, life, family, stress isn't, isn't kind of wearing you out because when you're on the bike, I need you and I need you hundred percent. So, right. Okay. So rest and take care of everything else. So you're clear headed when it's time to get on the bike. Yep, for sure. Yeah. I like that. Well, let's step away from you actually coaching you kind of, I mean, you're definitely competing. 2018 was a pretty big year. Like I said in the intro, you won the stage race, a pretty prestigious event right here in, in Pisgah National Forest. And the Pimbar race, which has got, over the years, the Pisgah Mountain Bike Adventure race has got way, way more competitive for that, mm -hmm. for that podium. Um, you represented the U.S. in cyclocross, which is I, I'm hearing kind of a new thing for you, a new sport for you, or a new discipline of cycling. 
Yeah, yeah, yep. What happened in 2018? How did all this happen? <laughs> How did you make it happen? I, I, I don't really know, to tell you the truth. <laughs> no, uh, um, confidence. Uh, for, for whatever it was, the, that, that year kind of started out, um, and the first, basically the first race I did was, um, you know, the stage race. And the first, uh, first day, I was like, you know, we, we were in a group, we were going up some of the climbs, and, and I think I finally got it in my head that when you're in a race and you're suffering, everybody else is feeling the same way, you know, but it's, it's so hard to tell yourself that when you're in the pain cave and you're trying to push so hard and, you know, you look over at the other guy and he's as cool as a cucumber, <laughs> but you know, inside it's like, you're melting. Um, so I, I, uh, we're going up this climb and I'm, you know, on the rivet, so to speak, I'm, I'm in the pain cave. I'm, I'm going as far as I can. And, and I was like, you know what? We're just going to attack everybody. And just stood up, jumped on the pedals, rode away from everybody, got a gap, was able to, to hold that for the rest of the uh, the stage, and and uh, ended up you know taking the, the win, and that kind of that theme kind of continued throughout the year, and it was it was kind of um, you know as, as a junior, it's it's like you're 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 full of energy and you're excited and you want to you know take off from the start and, and you know get first person to the turn and lead the race the whole time, and I think throughout my training and racing you kind of lose a little bit of that you know you try to pace yourself a little bit more you try to save too much and i think it was good to have a really really good base of fitness and also just kind of have that that you know kick in your rear and be like dude you got this like roll the dice see what happens if it doesn't work they're still working just as hard as you and they're going to feel it so um, that was kind of the, the theme for the year what do you think caused that mental shift what do you think caused was there a an aha moment was it just that race and it just hit you and you were like now is my time what do you think caused that i think i go back to you know if if i could call it something again i think it would be confidence and just you know i was like okay i don't really know what's going to happen but i know i'm in a in good spot fitness wise and i know that i can get these guys on the next ascent and let's just let's push hard and see what happens and that kind of you know in the next couple of races, like, uh, let's see, I won O-Ram that year and Pinbar was really good. And, and Pinbar is a little bit more of like a, a pacing, but, um, you know, O-Ram into cyclocross season, I kind of kept that, you know, it's just, it's more like there's a, there's a saying more for road racing, but you can apply it to anything. It's like, if you're not moving forward you're moving backwards. So it's like, you always got to be fighting for the front and pushing for the front. And, and I think I, I kind of lost that in my, you know, development years a little bit. And it was, it was finally like, yeah, you got this, do this. So yeah, big props. So big year, 2018, you, you probably weren't always on top of the podium. Tell me some of, some of your lowest moments. Was there, was there a time where you were just like, I'm done with this biking thing. (laughs) Oh yeah. All, all the time. Yeah. That's, that's the funny thing, you know, cycling and and sports in general, it's like you win, you you lose a lot more than you win. Um, So uh, it's, it's tough. I mean, knock on wood, I, I've never had a big injury um, where I've kind of had to, to climb out of that hole. Um, so knock on wood, and, and thankfully I've never had that. But I've, I have had some, you know, you just, oh, man, um, I could think of so many examples. Driving, you know, we when I was a junior, I was trying to qualify for the world championships as a junior um, at the start of the year, and my parents flew me out to um, this race in, uh, in what was it, Phoenix, and uh, we were out in Phoenix, and we were, I was leading the race, you know, the qualifying race. I started out, I was feeling good, and then I flatted. 
And then I was like, all right, cool. So I fixed it. And I flat again. And then I flat the rear wheel. And then I had to walk back. And, my, you know, my, my parents were super supportive. And they were, um, you know, not in a bad way. But they were. you could see it in their eyes. Like, why did we come out here? <laughs> like, why did we spend all this money? So, um, yeah, a lot of it is just you, you bang your head on the door. And, you know, eventually it opens. But sometimes it could be a long time. I'm going to steal that one from you. You keep banging your head on the door and eventually it'll open. What about, uh, what about the best moment in competition? What stands out? I would say, uh, let's see, that was 2000, the year before, or I should say the season before I went to worlds, um, was another kind of, not, not aha moment, but, um, it was one of those confidence things where I won a local cyclocross race, a UCI race. It was a pretty high level over in Hendersonville and that was that was probably one of the coolest uh, feelings I think you know I've, I've done a lot of races I've won a lot of races but that was you know I won not quite in my hometown but we'll call it hometown I, I live 15 minutes away uh, my address is not Hendersonville but we'll we'll call it um, but it was like you know hometown win all my friends are there I knew the announcer I knew that you know everyone there and um, that was kind of my training course throughout the summer. So I had done hundreds of laps on that course and knew everything. So it was like, finally put everything together once. And that was a really cool feeling. Um, but I, I would say that's, that's kind of like my best win, I guess. But, you know, another equally as good feeling, um, was I, there's Asheville cyclocross, um, used to do a couple of clinics throughout the summer. So kind of starting in August and be once a week and I'd volunteer my time as a coach and, and kind of race her to go out there and help people and teach skills and that sort of thing. And, uh, and Asheville cyclocross, uh, has a race series. And the very last race, uh, this guy came up to me and was like, Hey, you know, I, I came to that, those clinics and, you know, just want to thank you. Like I started out the season mid pack and then I used all the skills you taught me and then I won the last race and that was, you know, huge. Um, so I, I'd say, yeah, I mean, I have to, have to say the Henderson Gold race was like one of the best feelings cause that was hometown, you know, everything was perfect that day, but it's like, that's such a good feeling to do your job and just give back to the sport. So those are my top two. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. So you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, knocking your head against the door until it finally opens. And that's kind of like a little bit of a secret sauce there for any athlete who's trying to, to reach the top. What about coaching? You obviously had a learning curve early on. I mean, you probably were not quite the coach that you are now. Tell me about that progression. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's hard. Uh, cause a lot of it is, you know, as a coach, you got, you got to know your stuff. You got to know your exercise physiology and you have to know what you're talking about but you have to put it in a way that, you know, somebody that has no idea about that will understand. So, you know, it's, it's breaking that, you know, that complex science side of things and breaking it down into something that, you know, they, they get. Um, <clears throat> and as a coach, there's a, there's a really, really good book. Uh, my dentist actually gave it to me. Um, it's coaching the mental game. And basically it's, it's, uh, it's more centered around kind of ball sports um, but one of the takeaway points from that was, you know, <clears throat> as a coach, you're always learning, you're always developing and you never can think that, you know, you, whatever you're saying, someone is going to understand. So like, you know, take, think of, of, um, you know, like, let's say there's a 
uh, a coach or, or uh, an athlete talking about, you know, their friend and they're, they're uncoachable, like they don't get anything. And it's like, okay, well, is it the athlete or is it the coach? Is the coach mm. putting that in a way that they understand and telling it, you know, are they describing it? Can you do it visually? Can you do it auditory? So I think uh, as a coach, you're always trying to like, okay, how can I say this better? How can I say this, you know, more efficient? Um, so that's something I really enjoy too. If there's a young rider who wants to win the stage race, you know, if, you know, they they want to get to where you're at, they're just starting out doing some races. What's some, what's some nuggets of advice you'd give them? I'd say for, um, for, for a developing rider, be, be multi everything, <laughs> multidiscipline, um, you know, try out a bunch of stuff, try out a bunch of different, uh, events, you know, cyclocross, road, mountain, try everything, see what you like, see what you don't like. Also, I think it's important to be multi-divisional, um, and just, just get some different experiences. I mean, you know, cycling is great. You can make a living racing a bike, um, but kind of, they're not completely gone, but kind of gone are the days of, you know, you win on Sunday, sell it on Monday sort of thing for the companies, you know, right. so it's, it's less about winning races, although that's important, but it's more about, you know, what's the lifestyle, what's the, the influence I can have. So I think, you know, there's, there's definitely something to be important or, or it's important to have, you know, um, do some different stuff, you know, communication, um, marketing, exercise science, engineering, you know, and then you can you can still be a racer and still be good, but then you're so much more valuable to a company as a racer and as whatever you're studying. So, right, right, right. You're multidimensional. Mm-hmm. You mentioned cross training. Um, are there any other sports outside of cycling that you like to do? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I like uh, I like to do some. So you know, <clears throat> so cross training. Yeah. Is it beneficial? Definitely. Uh, it's good to it's good to have a variety. Um, every sport kind of boils boils down to the rule of specificity, which basically means that the better you want to be at something, the more you have to do it. Um, however, most of us are kind of you know we're not doing it for professionally. We're not getting paid to do it, so it's like you know let's have some spice on life and and do something different. Um, however. I, I say all that and then it's like I'm kind of getting to the point now where it's, you know, I'm a little time crunched and I can't ride as much as I, as I want to. So I usually revert to doing my favorite thing, which is riding and it's kind of a de-stressor, but, um, hiking, walking, um, I do a little running occasionally. Uh, I wouldn't consider myself a runner, but, uh, uh um, yeah, you know, and, and I think just, uh, I think more so getting outside and just, you know, using it, you know, like we, we, we live, we're fortunate to live over in Western North Carolina and have, you know, huge national forests. So get out there and do something. It'd be, it'd be good. In some of the other interviews, a lot of people have mentioned that doing a different sport or whatnot, just sometimes can, uh, break a cycle, you know, can just mm-hmm. like reboot their head. Have you ever seen that with any of the people you've coached or felt it yourself where you've kind of stepped away for a month and done something different and came back and it looked totally different? For sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I, I'd say I, I see that a lot with, um, with athletes I work with. I actually, uh, um, oh, I still work with a guy up in, in Minnesota. He came to the company as a professional, um, snowmobile racer. 
and then he went into road racing on, on the bike. And then recently, uh, I, I started working with him. And uh, he's taken up mountain biking during the summer and then cross-country skiing during the winter. So that's kind of cool to watch that progression. And, and you know, um, it's like, yeah, there's, there's people doing everything out there. Um, One of the questions I always ask that I always get so many crazy, I mean, just there is virtually no trend to the answer of this question. What's your thoughts on diet? Mm. Well, Julia Childs is my favorite um, favorite cook. Who, say. Who's she has a, Julia Childs. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, and and uh, she has a quote. I, I think it's actually from Orson Welles or something like that. But it's it works better if Julia says it. <laughs> um, but basically, everything in moderation, including moderation. So. Diet's important. Eating right, eating healthy, eating good food is super, super important. But, you know, it's like, hey, I, I got guilty pleasures. Um, you know, I, I love kind of one of my pastimes is, is making barbecue. Um, and barbecue is not healthy. Um, but <laughs> it's it's kind of more about, you know, I don't want to call it a, I don't like the term cheat day. But it, it, it's kind of like that. You know, it's, it's more, you know, I, I get up in, early in the morning, I put my you know, meat on the grill, I rub it, I start the smoker, I smoke it all day, and then at, you know, at night, all my friends come over, and we just kind of chow down, it's more of that kind of community, and, you know, food is a drug, it'll, it'll affect your moods, and affect how you're doing, and then, and, you know, eating something like that is going to kind of bring people together, because it's, you know, food is kind of that universal language, everybody, you know, you can find something to talk about. Let me break down a couple diets, what do you think about being a vegetarian? I think it's good. It's awesome. Um, I had to live with a vegetarian for a while. <laughs> My sister was a was a vegetarian, so growing up, I I didn't have a whole lot of meat. I love meat, um, but uh, if it wasn't um, it wasn't a bad thing. I think that's that's a, a really really good uh, choice. Um, you can get as long as you're careful about your protein and where you get it from. Um, it's, it's no different. You know, it's, it's a, it's a good wholesome diet. And, uh, as long as you're kind of getting, getting, uh, that protein where you need to get it from, it's good. I got a neighbor who's just raving constantly about keto diet. Yeah. What, what's yeah. your thoughts on that one? It's, uh, <clears throat> first for... explain what it is from your stand, from, from your knowledge base. What is the keto? Yeah. Diet? So, so basically it's, it's, um, it's kind of the, the new age um, uh, Atkins diet, let's say. So you know you're cutting out carbohydrate, you're focusing a lot on on proteins and fats, and then you know you're basically feeling a little bit more full, so you don't eat as much. Um, that works if you're you know not necessarily an endurance athlete. Um, so so when you when you're exercising, carbohydrate is kind of like that race fuel. It's it's super you know burns you know high burning clean energy type of fuel. So when you're riding, you want to you know you want to eat carbs. They're not a bad thing um, because that's going to give you that really quick energy that you need. Um, fat's going to take too long to break down. And, you know, people make the argument of like, well, okay, well, if I, if I ride slower, or I ride faster or whatever, then I can start, you know, burning fat better. Well, it's like, okay, but you got to ride slow, right. you know, it, it, that's limiting your ability to work at an intensity that you need to. Um, 
so yeah, car- carbohydrates are good. Uh, keep them in there. Uh, they're they're not a bad thing. Um, I do have a couple of, of athletes that I've worked with um, that that want to to try similar diets and that sort of thing. Um, and you and I always tell them it's like okay, you know that's that's fine. You know, that, do what you can, but at least before and after that ride, kind of around that pyramid, um, like let's say that the ride slash workout is the most important important part of your day. Before and after that, eat some carbs, properly fuel for that ride. Away from that, do what you want. Um, but give me that, give me that high quality stuff and because that's going to make that workout much more, um, or much higher quality. What do you think, what, what would you prescribe as the optimum hours a week of practicing your given discipline? So take out like going to the gym or things like that. Let's say you're training for a cyclocross race. How mm-hmm. long would you recommend somebody, how many hours to put in a week and how many hours is too much? When do you when do you start seeing that overtraining thing? Mm, it's, it's tough to say. So it really that all kind of depends on the on the event. Like what's what are you getting ready for? How long is it? How many races you're doing? Um, what's your you know athletic background? Like how long have you, have you been riding or and or you know maybe you've do, been doing another cardiovascular sport, swimming, running. Um, so it's it's tough to say. You know what's what's good or bad. Um, I've I've got people that. Um, you know, that have four to six hours a week, uh, maybe, you know, so then it's, then it's might be, you know, two or three rides a week. And it's like, okay, those are super, super focused. And then I have other people that are, you know, are retired. So it's like, all right, you know, I can just load you up and, and do as much as you want. Um, when an athlete comes to me with, you know, like, Hey, I, I can ride X amount. I try to work right up to that, to that limit and then maximize their time. Um, but uh, I, for, for example, when I was racing pretty competitively, like kind of college and, and early uh, professional years, I was probably doing 15 plus or minus a week on the bike. And then in recent years, it's kind of gone down to uh, 10 to 12 maybe. And then, um, well, my wife just... My wife and I just had a kid, so it's been like eight. <laughs> <laughs> now, so, now the fun begins. Yep, yep. So I'm, I'm lucky to get in like 10 plus hours. So. How, how old's your son or daughter? Uh, my daughter is uh, three months. Three months uh, Tuesday. Oh, so you're, you're just dropping into sleep deprivation oh, yeah. down right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. It's, yes, yeah, it's, it's not so bad like, you know – I feel good when I'm riding, but it's like that the recovery is, I, I can't sleep. So it's, it's done. <laughs> oh, the games began. Well, it just gets better. So, um, what do you, you've been riding bikes since you said nine years old. What's the industry like now compared to when you first started riding and where do you see it going in the future? I think going back to that, um, you know, it's a little bit less that that win on Sunday, sell on Monday type thing. Um, at least with the racing side of things, you know. So it's you know before it was you had all these racers, you know, they were traveling the world, getting paid a lot of money, and it's kind of shifted into more of this, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, influencer lifestyle sort of thing. You still have the racers, you still have the, the you know bread and butter of the company, but then there's people that are um, like I think a good example is. Uh, um, Adam Craig, if if those of you are familiar or not, he's like a he was a pro mountain biker. He almost went to the Olympics. Or did he go to the Olympics? 
almost went to the Olympics um, in get my dates back in the 2000s. But anyway, but it, you know, but he made a big deal of like riding mountain bikes and, and winning top level mountain bike races, and then like going kayaking, and then going dirt biking, and then like you know, and people loved that. They ate it up. And he's he is a really really cool dude. Um, but it's it's kind of more about like okay that that persona. Um, you know, I want to ride mountain bikes, but it's more kind of a lifestyle and, uh, and less about racing. And I think that's kind of, you know, racing is declining a little bit. And I think that's kind of part of it. It's just, uh, you know, um, people are just, they just want to ride and just want to enjoy it. Yeah. I'd agree with that. What about e-bikes? Thoughts on e-bikes? At the end of the day, it's, it's more people on bikes. I think that's a good thing. Um, however, uh, there needs to be some better better rules outlined. Uh, um, you know, there's, a, there's a, at least here in Western North Carolina, there's a little bit of a pushback from National Forest Service and, and State Forest because they don't they're try, kind of treating it like a motorized vehicle, and I think that kind of needs to be a little bit more defined um, and kind of you know what's allowed, what's not allowed. Um, and there's the whole you know it's I think it's good getting. Um, let's say, you know, uh, recovering, you know, injury recovering people or, or, um, uh, yeah, older age groups out on bikes, but you know, the skill level doesn't quite match the speed at which you're going. So I think, you know, and I, I don't really have an answer for that, but it's, you know, I like more people on bikes, but I like more people with better skills on those bikes. Mm. So, yeah, no, I hear you. I that's a tricky one for sure because the motors are just going to get stronger. You know, anyone who anyone who doesn't, uh, you know, lithium-ion technology is here to stay. You know, I know our company we do a lot of a lot of filming with all kinds of different devices. But one thing that came on for us six or seven years ago was uh, the drones, the aerial. Okay. You know, those drones have got so incredibly much more powerful and such a bigger payload and it's just a matter of time before you're going out there with like a bike that's got the equivalent power of like a 250 cc motorcycle you know yeah <laughs> so that's where that's where i'm like okay how does this happen is there like a watt you know you can only have so many watts to be legal or you know you don't want somebody roosting up a you know going up laurel <laughs> at like 35 40 miles an hour up the hill you know i mean that seems yeah, a little yeah. out of place so i don't know it's interesting i was a i was a huge e-bike hater and then last year i got on one and now i'm on the bandwagon so yeah. <laughs> so i don't really know i don't really know how to yeah. talk about it but everyone i talk to has an opinion that's for sure yeah, for sure. And it's, it, yeah, and it's here to stay. And it's, uh, you know, a, a, I don't know, a problem, but it's a problem that we need to figure out and need to fix. Um, but yeah, I just saw, I just saw some specs on a new, I forget who it was, but uh, they, they just started a new bike and it was like 22 pounds. E-bike? 20, 22 or 24. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And I was like, cause I think that's, that's part of it. And, you know, and the weight's going to come down too, but right now it's like, yeah, you have this bike and it, and it, you know, goes fast, but then if you're not pedaling or if you are, you know, at a certain point it becomes a heavy bike, you know, so then it's not, you're, you're still trying to manhandle this huge 40 pound bike around, especially, um, which especially, is not easy. Especially when your battery dies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
All right, so let's go. Let's let's talk about. Man, we're a little late with this one because you probably would want to be getting ready a little sooner if you were going to do Pimbar this year. But let's talk about. Let's say you're three months out from Pimbar and you want to win the race. Well, what um, would you have somebody do? <laughs> what would a typical week look like? Just go yeah, out so there and just savage yourself. <laughs> kind of, yeah. So. Uh, Pin, pin bar is like one of those one of those kind of weird races because it's a checkpoint race and it's kind of you know half navigation half riding you know that's um, a good point maybe you should explain what pin bar is first yeah so so pin bar is is a it's checkpoints so there's five roughly five checkpoints scattered throughout the forest you have no idea where they are until the morning of the event and you basically get a passport and you get a map and you have to choose your own route and there's certain trails that are off limits and, and certain you know um, stipulations depending on on the year uh and some of the checkpoints are mandatory and then usually you you can i think you it's like four out of five or, or four out of six or you know however many checkpoints there are so um there's a couple that are mandatory and then if you go for extra ones then it's bonus um so that, that one's it's a very unique race uh, but it usually ends up to be you know the winning time could be you know recent years it's kind of been between five hours and seven hours um, so it's a pretty long day on the bike over really, really rough terrain. Um, Pimbar is kind of one of the weird ones too, where it's, since the trails are really technical and it's a long day on the bike, you're trying to keep yourself and your bike together. So the trails, you almost want to ride at like 80% and ride fast, but not so fast that you run the risk of crashing or breaking something or something like that. And then when you spit out on a gravel road, it's full gas as hard as you can until you get back in the single track and then it's kind of backing off. Whereas mm, usually it's, yeah, it's usually the other way around. You know, you're trying to, especially with mountain biking, it's a very skillful sport. Um, so you're trying to, you know, make the difference and, and attack people on, on, uh, um, technical sections or something like that. So if I was getting ready for that, um, and let's say I had, you know, six to eight hours a week to train, I might do uh, a couple of, you know, pretty concentrated rides during the week. So maybe two or three rides where I'm riding um, a certain section of trail if I can, or a, you know, if, if I don't have access to a trail, maybe riding it at, um, let's say like at, at uh, 80% of race pace. Um, so kind of that, that, you know, you're not going slow, but you're not going really, really hard. Um, so let's say on a scale of one to 10, it's like a, you know, an, a seven or an eight. Whereas if you were racing, you know, if you were sprinting up the hill, that was a 10 and then you were sitting on the couch, that's a one. Um, so kind of in that 80% range. And then on the weekends, just getting some really, really big rides. Um, again, hopefully on mountain bikes and or at least mixed surfaces. So you get that, you know, kind of technical aspect and, and just the, you know, mountain trails and, and even gravel roads are not as smooth as pavement. So just making sure that the rest of your body, you know, you're, you're almost working on the engine room during the week and then everything but the engine room on the weekend, you know, your neck, your arms, your back, um, your butt, where to be on the seat that long. Yeah, good point there. I know that the last time I did it, I think we did like 72 miles and my watch said we climbed like 16,000 feet or something like that. So Sounds right. <laughs> yeah. So then, then let's, let's kind of switch gears a little bit. So that's a one-day big long ride. 
but let's switch to how would you prep or how would you change that prep for something like a stage race where it's five days and each day is, you know, maybe two or three hours or even less, I guess, some of the stages or maybe even less. I don't know. Yeah, the, the Pisgah stage race is actually a pretty short. Um, I think the stages this year, Todd has made a few changes here and there, so I think they'll be a little bit longer, but it's a relatively short race. Um, but yeah, so something something that's you're gonna, you know, the, the stages are short, so it's really really high intensity during those stages. But then it's you know five days in a row, so uh, your training needs to kind of reflect that. So again, if I was doing, uh, let's say six to eight hours. Um, I would try to stack, you know, maybe two hard rides back to back. So then I know, you know, kind of what it feels like on tired legs and maybe go out and, and hit, um, you know, find a hilly route and ride the climbs, you know, pretty much as hard as you can and then do it again the next day. And you could do, you know, at first glance, you, you could say like, okay, well, it's five days. I need to ride five days in a row. And it's like, yes, but if you do that, you're going to start to lose quality. So at a certain point, you're, you know, your rides are not necessarily going to be, you know, gaining anything from them. You're just making yourself more tired. So kind of spacing those rides out a little bit more and doing, you know, back to back days if you can, and then giving yourself a break is really going to help you feel fresher, push harder when you're back, when you are back out on the bike, and then it's going to end up uh, a better situation. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. What about your year coming up? What do you have planned? Well, uh, like I said, I, I, we just, my wife and I just had a, uh, a baby girl. Um, so it's, it's kind of <laughs> balancing parenthood and racing. Um, I, I do have a stage race. I'm probably going to stay a little bit more local um, with mountain bike stuff. So stage race, um, I think I'm going to sit out pin bar this year um, because that's the, uh, that's the same weekend as the uh, Rome Fest. Um, yep. One, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I need a break from it. And two, the wife is helping out with that. So, um, <clears throat> O-Ram, O-Ram. And then I want to do another cross season, but I'll probably do a little bit less kind of national events and, and focus more on the state series. Um, Tim Hopkins lives over in Hendersonville. He puts on a great series. Um, and he kind of has this, well, this is a little off topic, but if you win the series, you get a number one number which I, in my entire career, I've never had a number one. So yeah, I'm a little bit of an ego, you know, like I kind of want that. Um, so I think I'm going to do the state series and I think it'd be cool. You know, it's, it's much more, um, much more laid back than doing like a, a full pro season. And it's like, you know, it's still hard. You got to show up and you got to stay consistent. Um, and it's been a long time since I've gone for a series. So it's something different. Let's talk about money. So you're traveling around doing this nationals tour and whatnot. Are, is your job at Carmichael paying for this? Do you have sponsors that help you along the way? How do you work it out? A little bit of everything. So, um, <clears throat> so CTS is, is very flexible kind of work. Um, I am, I, I try to hold as close to office hours as I can. So Monday through Friday, nine to five. Um, and that was kind of the reason why I started racing more cyclocross because cyclocross is a it's it's an hour-long race and you usually get two races on a weekend so it's it's much more bang for your buck than a mountain bike race which is usually if you go to a, a professional level one it's probably west coast or midwest you know colorado area so it's flying or big uh, travel 
um, usually a ski resort, so it's lodging is pretty expensive. Um, you know, and, and just logistically, it's harder. Um, so doing these races, CTS is super, super flexible with where I'm going. I can work, you know, if I had to, I could work from home and kind of answer emails and that sort of stuff. I like to, you know, kind of hold that professional side of things and, and hold office hours as close as I can. Um, I race for a team that is, uh, kind of organized by Josh Whitmore. He's another coach at CTS and he's been, he actually, well, this is a cool side story, but, uh, Josh did, um, he went to mountain bike world championships as a junior the year I was born. Um, so, <laughs> and actually later he raced in this, in this little town called, um, uh, Kurtzarten, Germany. And later when I was a U23 and I was on the national team, I, I lived in that town and rode there. So, um, little factoid. Um, but he's been, he's super experienced. He's been doing it forever. He runs the team, which is also sponsored by CTS. So we have a little bit of kind of travel budget and, um, you know, we were helped out with equipment and that sort of things. And then I kind of have my own, uh, personal sponsors that depending on the race, depending on the season, depending on the discipline, they might want a little bit more, um, uh, a bigger logos, more presence. Um, so it's, it's kind of a combination of all three of those. How do you approach sponsorship? It's all about what you can what you can provide, and that's not necess- that doesn't mean you know like oh yeah I'm, I'm really fast and I can win races. Uh, going back to that lifestyle influence thing, it's like okay, what do I bring to the table? And that's not necessarily you know uh, I have ten thousand followers on Instagram. It's like okay, what can I do as a person? Kind of like if you're applying for a job interview, it's like okay, I, I'm really really good at talking to people. I'm really organized. Um, I have a lot of knowledge in your particular product, in your um, methodology, or in your engineering, or, or whatever interests you. And then, you know, that's going to make it, you much more valuable to the company instead of just being like, okay, well, here's Joe Schmo, let's throw him some wheels, and, and you know, we'll never see him again. It's like this guy's actively involved in selling, you know, helping me sell more products, which is, you know, the reason for uh, marketing sponsorship. And is also really involved in uh, in developing it too. And, and you know, like, hey, what can I do? This is what I do. What can I, you know, help you guys out do more with? Um, or you get what I'm saying? No, that makes um, sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and all that. So it's it's uh, much more. It's a relationship, and it's not like, hey, give me free stuff because I'm fast. Yeah, yeah. Think of it as a job interview. It's a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that one. Well, I don't know, Tristan. Is there any uh, sponsors you'd like to give a shout out to right now? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Sycamore Cycles down in, in Brevard. Is Wes has helped me out for years and years and years. And, and um, he, uh, well, speaking of job interviews, and uh, another kind of side story is uh, I walked in. Um, <laughs> I started at, at college and I walked in Sycamore. I was just checking out the local shop and, and Wes. Uh, you know, he, he's like, oh, you know, like, you, you want a job? And he's, and I, and I just being cocky, you know, 19 year old, I was like, oh, you know, I, I don't need a job. I need a, I need a real job. I don't need to work in a bike shop. And then later I, I came, you know, crawling to him and like, hey, can I have a job? And, and he's kind of helped me out ever since. Um, Industry Nine is another kind of local 
Asheville company, they're awesome people. They make the best wheels. Um, I'm not saying that because I've ridden them and, and all that. Uh, they are, are amazing. You, you put them on your bike and you can ride stuff that you never think thought possible. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll second that with the I-9s. <laughs> Clinton company, yep. all right. Yep, they're, they're good guys. And, and obviously, you know, Carmichael and, and uh, you know, they, they give me, help me with a roof over my head. So big thanks to them. So. Very cool. Where can our listeners find out more or follow you? Are you a, a Facebooker or a blogger, an Instagrammer? Where do where do people find you? Yeah, so um, yeah, tcowie sixteen um, is my Instagram. I, I like posting up pictures. I'll, I'll try to do some fun stuff. It's mostly riding, but I like to sprinkle in some barbecue baking every once in a while. Um, I'm on Facebook, pretty active on that. The Carmichael website. If you have any, you know further questions about coaching. Um, and come up and talk to me in a race. Yeah, I'm, I'd, I'd like to think that I'm pretty low key and just like riding bikes. Doesn't matter how fast. So um, yeah, love to talk to you. Well, before we let you go here, let's talk barbecue. Yeah. So what's the secret to a good barbecue? Okay, let's let's start with chicken because this is what I have the most trouble with. Like, how do you stick it with chicken? Chicken's tough. Uh, it takes on a lot of smoke and it cooks really fast. So. Um, I like I like something smoky, so I usually go, you know, pretty heavy on the smoke. But be careful; it's it can really, really overpower that chicken. Heavy on the um, smoke. So are you like super hot flame, or are you like putting this? How are you doing this? Low and slow, man. Two, two twenty five. I've I've got a smoker, um, and uh, I'm trying to think of the website. It's Meathead. Meathead is the guy. But go to Amazing Ribs. AmazingRibs.com is run by this guy called Meathead. And he has a he has a book and it's actually it's actually really good. Um, but it talks about, you know, he's got the science behind like, you know, marinating, you know, ten hour marinating between fifteen minutes and how much it, you know, penetrates the meat and all that sort of stuff. It's a really, really good resource. It also has, for those aspiring smokers, um, it has a guide to set up a smoke a smoker on your gas grill and that's what I started with and then I kind of you know made my own uh, smoker but uh, yeah low and slow 225 230 um, get yourself a really good thermometer usually two because um, then you can leave one inside the smoker or grill and then you can have one for the meat to check and see if it's done and um, yeah just be patient how long are we talking at 225 for chicken uh, three or four hours all right, there you have it, Hammer Factor Nation. Low and slow, <laughs> two twenty-five, three or four hours. That's it. That's it. Get yourself a good rub too. All so. right. Well, thank you for sitting on the sitting in on the hot seat, Tristan. And uh, yeah, I'll be following you on Instagram and you know, looking forward to following and see how the year turns out and meet that little baby. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, I had, I had a pleasure talking and uh, thanks again. All right.